Hey friends, today we are continuing on in our sermon series called Pressing Into the Parables, where each week we are looking at a different parable that Jesus used in his teaching. Now, if you are not familiar with parables, they were a primary teaching tool that Jesus used. They were Jesus's way of provoking both a new thought and then a corresponding action. I'm often tempted to look at these parables and to just seek out simple and more obvious answers that might be immediately apparent or on the surface of what Jesus is saying. Answers that I've heard over and over again throughout my life. But throughout the series, we are challenging one another to press into the parables, to press ourselves past easy interpretations, to allow these parables to provoke us to some deeper understanding of life in the kingdom of God. As we think about what being what is being provoked in us, we also are challenging ourselves to ask what that provoking might mean for us in terms of a corresponding action. Anytime that we ask the questions, what is God saying and what should I do about it? This is all a part of our life as disciples. And let's turn to our parable for the morning. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. And this often is referred to as the parable of the invited guests. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose a place of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited to someone, when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor. In case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, "Give this person your place." And then in disgrace you would take the lowest place. But when you are invited to go and sit at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, the host may say to you, friend, move up higher, then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then after Jesus fin- finishes kind of this section of talking to the guests and their behavior as it should be in a wedding event, then he turns his attention to the host. And Jesus says, this will continue in verse 12. Jesus said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite poor, disfigured, and blind people and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Friends, on the first pass, the scripture seems to me like a pretty simple parable about humility. To not think of ourselves as higher than others, but rather to humble ourselves and to wait to be exalted. In fact, the first draft of my sermon that included easier answers included this TikTok sound that I've been hearing that uh, asks the question, am I better than everyone? And then it will show different videos of people doing something that they believe makes them superior in this random moment. Um, One of my favorites is it asks this question, am I better than everyone? And then it shows a video of someone walking out with the one item they walked into Target intending to purchase. And they successfully actually left Target with only that one item and not a whole cart full. A couple others that I love, it asks, am I better than everyone? And then shows someone who used an entire thing of salad greens before it all went bad. Or another one is a video of someone who crushed their morning routine before the rest of the world is awake. Like, 
I really love the easy answers to the parable that we shouldn't think that we are better than anyone. Um, no matter how heroic I think it is to actually walk out of Target with the one thing that we intended to buy when we went in. This would be an easy sermon to preach, right? Don't think of yourselves as better than other people. However, as I've pressed more deeply into this parable, I've realized that while yes, that is a good maybe surface level answer to what this parable is teaching us, there's also way more to what's going on here. You see, it's not simply honor and humility that are at stake in this parable by taking the lower seat at the table, but rather Jesus knows that by one simple person not taking the honored seat where they are supposed to sit and instead going to sit down with the lower and less honored guests, that they would actually be calling into question and potentially even upending the entire social hierarchy of what everyone knew to be true around the table. This was a bold, a radical, and a risky invitation because it disrupted the social order, the social hierarchy that they had grown accustomed to, both the spoken and the unspoken rules that everyone abided by, particularly around the table. Jesus is saying that the things that we often pay attention to in order to determine our social standing are not the standard in the kingdom of God. It's not how God's power and order operate. Now, at first, if you're like me, I received this as, gosh, like Jesus, that is a little bit harsh and a little bit insensitive. Like you are just cutting down and diminishing all the ways that all of us have spent our lives working to earn the status or standing that we might feel like we have. However, because Jesus is throwing off and potentially even eliminating our entire scale that we regularly use for assessing worth, there actually is great freedom for all of us. Not just for the people Jesus is saying now are going to be invited to the table. Friends, but this parable invites us into a reality where our status is not constantly being assessed. Where we no longer have to wonder what we did or didn't do to get where we are. We no longer have to feel like, gosh, we have to change ourselves to try to fit in and to be friends with people that we feel like we need to because of whatever social standing or hierarchy they might have. Friends, Jesus is inviting us into a new way one of social equity rather than social hierarchy. More times, or the more time that I have spent processing this parable, more freedom that I continue to find in it. Because I realize how much of my time I regularly spend truly more than I am proud of, kind of processing how I am perceived by other people. And I think this certainly is bound up in kind of social status. I certainly grew up in a place where status and standing mattered a lot, and that is just deeply embedded and ingrained in who I am, even as I try to unlearn it out of myself. I don't know if this is also true for you. I find myself kind of ruminating on what I should have said, but that I didn't. I spend more time than I'm proud of replaying an awkward or uncomfortable situation in my head, trying to figure out maybe what could I have done differently. And lastly, and maybe this is more unique to me, I regularly spend a lot of time worried about how I might make other people uncomfortable. But particularly, I find myself kind of up against this in conversations where I'm talking to strangers and they ask for me the dreaded question, oh, what do you do for a living? And I have to tell them that I'm a pastor without making the rest of the conversation super uncomfortable. Because if you do not have this reality that you're familiar with, at least for me, it always goes one of two ways. 
One, the conversation ends abruptly and I'm probably never talking to that person again because they have no idea what to say to a pastor. They've never talked to a pastor in their entire lives or only have negative connotations with us. Or I find myself in situations where I have to buckle in because the stranger is about to share their entire life story with me because I just told them what I do for a living. Like, really, there's no in-between and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out, gosh, like how, how could this go over better? So if you have ideas, let me know. But friends, in the midst of the inordinate, mostly even uh, inordinate amounts of time, even subconscious for me, um, I realize that it is just so often that I think about like how others perceive me or how I might perceive other people. And yet this parable reminds me that Jesus invites us into a new kind of freedom. A freedom from having to earn or achieve our status or standing. Jesus invites us into a kind of freedom that is marked by an impulse to include rather than to exclude. An impulse to immediately belong rather than having to earn your way to some kind of status or belonging. The Pharisees in this parable would have spent their lives knowing exactly where they stood in the social order. And they likely would have even spent their lives working to climb the ladder of the religious elite, to sit closer and closer to where the honored guests sit at a dinner table. And we didn't actually read it earlier as a part of our scripture, but when Jesus tells this parable right before it, it says that he's at a meal of the leaders of the Pharisees. Um, the Pharisees would have been the religious elite, and they held a ton of power. And this was like one of the leaders of the Pharisee group, so kind of the top of the top. And while Jesus was on his way to the house of this elite leader, he encounters a man who needed healing, someone who was super swollen, and Jesus saw the person and immediately realized he needed to do something about it. And Jesus realizes that many of the Pharisees that also are headed to this dinner are with him. And so he looks around and asks the question, what do you think that I should do? Should I heal this person on the Sabbath? Which... All the Pharisees, any good one, would have known that, no, you do not heal on the Sabbath. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. That is a day set aside to rest. Pharisees did not answer Jesus' question, but instead they watched him intently, seeing what he did. Later in Luke, will realize that they are watching him intently to try to figure out when Jesus is going to misstep. But they watched as Jesus healed this man. Jesus healed him, sent him on his way. And then Jesus, when he arrived at the dinner party, launched into this parable about how you should behave at a meal. I think this healing highlights the juxtaposition of someone who was not invited to the meal versus the religious elite that were all inside kind of vying for social status at this event. At the end of the parable, Jesus hearkens back to this healing as he says to the host of the meal, when you give a banquet, invite poor, disfigured, and blind people which to me feels a little bit like a sassy response pointing out that these are the people that the host had not actually invited in the first place. However, I think even though this is pretty sassy, I also hear Jesus inviting the Pharisees into a new reality. I also hear Jesus inviting us into that same reality as well. He invites us to set aside the things that we are striving after that we have used as tools of exclusion and to instead use our time and our resources for the purpose of inclusion and making the table bigger and bigger as we go along. One of my close friends from college would always remind me this phrase that comparison is the thief of all joy. 
Because in comparing ourselves to others, we will always find that it creates winners and losers. For us to decide that we are better automatically also means that we've determined that somehow somebody else is less than. In fact, comparison will always mean that there are winners and losers, that there are people who are in and people who are out. When comparison is what rules our thoughts, we will always feel more scarcity and less abundance. Rather than spending our time ruminating and second-guessing or even wondering whether or not we will be included or whether or not we can maintain whatever status we might feel like we have in whatever kind of scheme of comparison we find ourselves in, Jesus is inviting us to spend our energy creating space for even more people to belong. Uh, There's a song that I really love called Crowded Table. Maybe it's one you've heard of. It's by the High Women. And it is a song that is always guaranteed to put me in a dreaming kind of mood. It's a song that I believe points to what this parable is painting a picture of what might be possible around our tables. The chorus says, I want a house with a crowded table, a place by the fire for everyone. It says a little bit later on in the song, the door is always open. Your picture is on my wall. Everyone's a little broken and everyone belongs. Yeah, everyone belongs. Now, I particularly love this line, everyone's a little broken and everyone belongs. And I love that they are so connected because it reminds me that our brokenness, our idiosyncrasies, the parts of who we are that we aren't always proud of is actually intimately connected to our belonging to one another. If we want a crowded table full of misfits, then we must first let people in on who we really are, not just the shiny parts of ourselves that are easy to share. By sharing our own misfit selves and by sharing the harder parts of life, we actually create belonging around our tables and in our communities. It's really hard to belong. Um, It's really hard to create belonging and equity around the table if we are constantly comparing ourselves and one-upping one another. But when we see each other as equals, as people that are all a little broken, then we can truly belong in a new way. There's also an important element of belonging at the table that includes acknowledging our differences and our needs. One small example of this might be my sister is both vegan and gluten-free, and she can't just automatically belong around any table. There needs to be intentionality by the host or whatever friend has invited her to make sure this is a table where she truly can sit around it with other people and enjoy the meal, that there will be something for her to eat. And that she knows when she sits down exactly what foods are available to her and what she might want to steer clear of. Friends, belonging rarely happens by accident. If we want to create places of belonging and places of equity, we must also engage in the hard and long work of unlearning. That the only path towards belonging is one of conformity and by abiding by social norms. It's been so ingrained in us, at least it's been so ingrained in me, that in order to belong we have to somehow change ourselves to fit social norms. But rather, Jesus, through this parable, is inviting us into a new kind of freedom where all the misfits around the table can find a place of belonging. And so the question that I keep coming back to as I'm wrestling with this parable is how can I make space at the table so other misfits can belong? Now, I have to be honest and admit that it makes me cringe a little bit the way that I phrased the question, but I intentionally phrased it as other misfits, um, therefore binding ourselves up in the midst of that, because I believe that when we all acknowledge that we have at least a little bit of misfit in us, 
then we crack open the door to find more common ground with one another because all of us desire to belong. There is a book I've been reading the last couple weeks by a woman named Kendall Vanderslice, and it's called By Bread Alone. And she has been reminding me of the ways in which our ordinary dinner tables can, in fact, become places of belonging. She talks about how even as infants in the first hours of life, we are learning about our hunger and its connection to those that we love. She says our experience of the world is shaped through an interweaving of hunger and language and love through our guttural longing for intimacy and food. Again, kind of talking about our time as infants. In a lot of ways, I think we forget the intimacy and the belonging that can be found at the table. It's so easy to go on and to prioritize food on the go and convenience and our time and to spend less time over a meal, a shared meal that we sit down together at that we, in which we can find community and belonging at. It can be hard to carve out space in our busy schedules to find a place for each and every one of us to not only sit at a table, but to invite other people to come and to sit with us as well. I want to go back to the High Women song for just a second where it says we're all a little broken and we all desire to belong. We all, friends, are misfits in some way, shape, or form around the table. And while at first it might seem hard to acknowledge or maybe that's just some unlearning that I have to do, I'm hopeful, though, that we can find freedom, that this makes possible a new kind of reality for each and every one of us, not only to belong to one another, more fully, but also to create more space for other misfits and other um, people with our own brokenness to belong around the table together in a brand new way, in the kind of reality that Jesus invites us into in the economy of God. Friends, may we go to be misfits around this table. Let's pray together. Holy God, I thank you that in your kingdom, in your economy, that we don't have to conform in order to belong, but you have called each and every one of us your beloved child and just out of our own identity and who we are, we automatically belong. Now, sometimes we turn away from that belonging and yet there always is a place at the table for us. So as we continue in our own journey of discipleship, I ask that you would Crack open the door for us to find connection and belonging with one another, to acknowledge our own misfittedness so that we can belong more fully to one another as we find common ground in who we are in you and what it is that we share together. God, we trust your goodness and your abundance around the table that even when we choose scarcity, you might remind us of the abundance of the feast that you have always gone ahead of us to prepare. Lord, we ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, and while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community 
here in the greater Fuquay-Varina area, um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay-Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.